Hello, this is Ruslan Malinovsky. Hello, this is Roman Yeremchuk. Hello, I'm Sergey Rebro. And you're listening to Ukraine Plus Football. He's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading football's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading football's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading football's heading east. Hello, welcome to Ukraine Plus Football, the home of Ukrainian football in English. I'm your host, Adam from Ukrafoot24, and as always, I'm joined by my two excellent co-hosts. Back in the UK now after his uh, last trip to Ukraine, Mr. Zoria Londonsk. Andrew, good evening, mate. Happy to be home? Yes, I am. Well, the winter break's now well and truly underway by the time everyone's going to be listening to this, so... Not really too much to do in Ukraine other than, you know, sit around and wait for the snow. Been rather rainy whilst I was there, which was slightly disappointing. Didn't get the real experience of a Ukrainian winter, but uh, I'll live. But I had some, yeah, some fun experiences over the past week, sort of um, some new experiences in relation to Ukrainian football. Yeah, I ask you a little bit more about that uh, soon. So I yeah, can't wait to find out. But congratulations on, on everything you did. It seems it was a great success. But also joining me tonight, my wonderful co-host, Ray. How you doing, mate? Happy about this, Rain? Uh, hello, guys. Uh, great to be here again. Today we discuss Premier League from bottom to top. And uh, it's, it's our final word about this uh, season so far. Uh, not been the best one, but still we have some <laughs> silver linings. So hopefully not a damp squib. Definitely not. And as Ray said, we're going to have a look at all the teams, how they've performed. And if we go right the way back to the start of the season, our good friend Vladimir Zverev joined us before the season, where we all put our necks on our line. We made our predictions on what was going to happen. And we're really happy that Vladimir's found the time this evening and he's able to come and join us again. Good evening, Vladimir. How you doing? Hi guys. Hi everyone. Hi to the listeners and I'm ready to join you. I think this is the good time the after the last match day of this uh, part of championship. I think this is a good time to discuss something uh, some parts of the some first part of this tournament. Definitely so. I mean it's it's, it's been a crazy whistle stop sort of four months it seems. Like it seems like years ago that we were last talking. Well, I mean, Andrew, for you, what a great way to finish off the the autumn season. You were there representing Football Hub on Sunday at the Olympic Stadium. What was it actually like being pit side for a game? Pretty cool. Getting involved in the build up. I was invited as just being a guest from the live pitch side um, pre-match amble just to see what the players were training and then during the game it's quite a different experience to what you see maybe from the press box or even from the stands because I think me and you were talking about this just offline Adam and it is a lot more intense and you can feel that it's uh, you can feel the impacts more when you're just standing behind the advertising hoardings or whatever where you know that when a tackle goes in when a shot hits the post or the likes, the players swearing, shouting, trying to communicate with each other and all that kind of thing. 
So it's a completely different experience to, you know, just being a plain spectator or even trying to watch from high above, which is definitely probably a better angle to understand exactly what's going on, sort of whether the chances were closer. But in general, I was very unique and, you know, hopefully might get the opportunity to do something like that in the future. But yeah, enjoyed it very much. Yeah, it was uh, great to see. I'm glad you glad you enjoyed it. Really, am. Uh, but yeah, on to the main business of this evening, and it is looking at how all the teams have been getting on and what they need to do moving forward. And uh, you know, what? I'm going to kick off the show with a team that Mr. Vladimir Zverev surprisingly called out to be relegated at the start of the season, Mariupol. <laughs> I mean. That was some inspired thinking there, Vova. I mean, before we start looking at where it's all gone wrong, what made you think back in July that they would struggle as much as they have done? Okay, first of all, I maybe not 100%, but I remember what I told and uh, about the relegation of Mariupol. Um, they're still alive. So they doesn't relegate. Uh, the first of all, the words I said and I remember and I'm ready to repeat this during the whole season and in the future in the spring part of the season I don't think uh, that someone will relegate from Ukrainian championship in Ukrainian championship the teams they didn't relegate they can finish their uh, their life Uh, they they can uh, lose their investor they can lose everything but they didn't relegate by the sporting uh, principles Uh, and in this case, I I said just I said that that Menai and Mariupol will will uh, mm-hmm. to last places. So in the case of Menai, they have a good team. The players really battling, and their new coach Igor Leonov is a good uh, coach. I mean, in the case in the questions of motivation, and uh, the same were the same was saying guys from uh, Arsenal Kiev in the uh, season eighteen nineteen when Leonov was the coach, the part of the season, and all the players, they said this is a great coach, great motivator, and uh, he can collect the team in a short time to have a good result. But Menai, they have uh, so many young players and unexperienced players. So I think that they still the main uh, contender for relegation, if I can say it like this. And about the Mariupol. So in this case, we always saying about uh, the Shakhtar youngsters, the players the, who from the Shakhtar Academy, and uh, this generation of players, I think, uh, not so strong like the previous generations. We see that, I mean, from the Shakhtar Academy, from the Shakhtar youth. So we can um, we can remember the great team of 2015. Uh, they went to the final of the. Uh, Yacht League, UEFA Yacht League, and Victor Kolen, Komatvien, and others. This was a great generation, and uh, this generation was uh, in Donetsk. And now, after after Shakhtar moved to Kiev, the young boys, the young players, their parents, they decided uh, to, to choose Dynamo and Shakhtar. A lot of them choose Dynamo Kiev, and this generation of Shakhtar is not so strong because the strongest uh, youngster is for me. They now were in a generation of under 19 of Dynamo Kiev in this team. And uh, under 21 also previous team. We can see these players in Chorno the good one, really good players. And in Mariupol, 
their coach, uh, Stav Markevich, he tried to play football. He always said, don't shoot this ball, play in the pass, like his father always said. Uh, but uh, it, he wants to play football, the coach. But uh, the quality of these young players of Mariupol now, they're not so, they're not so good, like compared, comparing to Chernomorets or comparing to previous uh, generations of Shaftar. And for me, uh, I think this is the main reason why uh, Mariupol is a contender for relegation and still is a contender. From where I sit, when I look at them, the defence is a big mess. They do actually score a few goals, which is sort of surprising when you look at a team that's bottom of the league. But defensively, they are the worst, bar Chornomoretz. And it's, it is a concern. You mentioned Chornomoretz there. I won't go into them deeply, but the fact that Dinamo and Shakhtar's youngsters are at both clubs is a worry about how poor both teams are defensively. And if this is Shakhtar's future generation of centre-halves coming through center, central defenders, thank God Manpass has uh, shown his true colours and maybe departing to Russia very soon. Uh, but their defence is one of the worst I've seen in a very long time. They have got goals goals in the team. If, it, if they are going to survive, they need to tidy up that defence big time. But as you've alluded to there, Vladimir, maybe Markevich doesn't want it. And maybe Shakhtar just don't have the players anymore to send, send down there. You saw the Euro Shakhtar's uh, youth league performances earlier in, in the season weren't as strong as in the past. They're out of in the group stage and it is looking a bit poorer there. Moving on, Andrew, Manai. Yeah, well, as Volodymyr has already mentioned, we've had, you know, a bit of a weird start to the season. A lot of us expected them to be down there because of the inexperience they've got in the side. A lot of youngsters and in general, it doesn't look that much in terms of prospects going into the second half of the season. Probably the main problem in the team is Yefen Salizhnyov, who's once again made the headlines over the past week, um, making calls to Tatatokir and friend of the pod journalist Andriy Senkiv, who was telling him that I'm going to come and F you up, beat you up and all this kind of stuff which has been referred to the police, and I think that's being dealt with there. But it just shows that even he's not been able to perform this first half of the season. He's not had any of the penalties that he had maybe under his Colos career. He was meant to be that sort of talisman in the side because of his experience and veteran marquee-ness um, alongside the rest of the squad who are very much, you know, no names in, in the grand scheme of things because they just brought a massive squad together just before the season started. Maybe they might have more time now because uh, of the winter break. They'll have a sort of a pre-season camp, except, well, the winter season camp, and that might help them slightly perform a bit better in the second half. I mean, I've not been too impressed with them under Leonov that much. Yeah, he can, might be a good motivator, but in general, just like if Arsenal Kiev, who finished rock bottom that season, can see maybe something similar going on or them definitely not getting out of the relegation zone. Fair comment there. 
fair comment. Joining them down there, it's, it's one of those clubs that we all expected to struggle as well, being Ingolets. Uh, Ray, where's it all gone wrong for them? Uh, I can tell, Adam, because the last game they played, they've beat Desna. They've beaten Desna 2-1, and it surely is a good um, motivation for the next part of the season. They went on vacation in a good spirit. And uh, I personally, uh, uh, I would like to vouch for, for, to vouch for that team because uh, they are one kind of, for, for maybe 10%, but they are still a people's team, you know, for their, for their community and for their land, land owned by one man and one man only, Papa. But uh, still, it's, uh, the stadium is being built. They have a rough um, dispute with uh, Shakhtar in the social media. So they have a message and they carry it on. And that deserves uh, recognition. So my bet on them is that they stay uh, in the league. They make it uh, worthwhile with uh, such agricultural clubs as we all prefer. And um, I really hope that some... Uh, other guys would take their place in the playoffs with, against uh, some teams from Persia Liga. Yeah, right. Now, if Ingolets fall into the playoffs, which where they are at the moment, you know, third from bottom, do you see them surviving in the playoffs? <laughs> That's a good question, right? It might uh, occur to my personal uh, interests. Uh, yeah, I would say they, they might because, um, uh, you know, there is... Um, six points distance between uh, 14th place and 10th and metalist 1925 is 10th and that that is the team which might not uh, survive the uh, relegation battle but in terms of ingolets yeah i would say that uh, they have all the um, uh, all the means for it all the uh, uh, necessities and they they promised to bring real madrid to petrova come on <laughs> well, that would be the dream. It really would. Uh, me and Andrew, we've travelled down that road from Alexandria to Petrovi. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'd love to see the boys from the Bernabeu taking that journey. Not as bad as what some people have, you believe, but it's still pretty bumpy. I promise you that. And then when you get into the village, it's even more special. But I'm sure they'll have the new ground ready when Real Madrid come in the Champions League in season 2025-2026. You heard it here first. <laughs> but wait, I mean, all seriousness, it is a shame that our good friend Bartolovic hasn't played as much this season. Um, hopefully he'll stay on though and maybe get some more game time. I still don't believe he's broken that record that we spoke about back at the start of the season. Needs one or two more penalties. Maybe he could go to Manai as well. That would be uh, something special. <laughs> That's only hearsay. <laughs> Sorry, Vladimir. Or call us. Manai or call us. You hear all, when you say penalty, you always have to add this. <laughs> <laughs> good. Very good point. I, 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 I would like to say a couple of words about this. The, yeah, the sure. Potential, potential battle uh, of Ingolet about the relegation. I I always say, and I, I'm pretty sure I say this in our uh, summer podcast, that uh, about the Persia Liga. If some team from Persia Liga they really want to play in the Premier League, they will do anyway. Which, which place, it doesn't matter which place they have in the table, 
from the from the well, the finish of the season. If you want to play in the Premier League, you will, because the uh, the federation they give the license, and uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> The team who wants to play in Ukrainian Premier League, the federation will make some big hugs to yes, of course, playing play. We can put you in the Premier League if you have a stadium, if you give it the financial guarantees. It doesn't matter which place. So, and and I think if Ingolets, he will play with the team in the relegation battle potential. Who really wants to play uh, in the Premier League? There will be really big battle. And I'm not sure the Ingolets will be the team who win. And uh, if Ingolets will play with a team who doesn't want to play in the Premier League, Ingolets will win 100%. Oh, it's going to be interesting. It really is. It's, we know that there's certainly one team in the playoffs who desperately want to get in to the Premier League from over in Sumi. And uh, we'll see what happens there. Hey, Andrew, Chona Moritz. I mean, that's exploded just in the last few hours before recording. <laughs> We're not quite sure yeah, what's going to happen exactly. There. So at time recording, we're recording this on Monday night, guys, and the apparent announcement of the new Chona Moritz manager will have already been made, according to uh, Football UATV. Uh, Ihor Burbas has already revealed that apparently Roman Hrechorchuk, former Chona Moritz manager, um, last at Solihorsk in Belarus and then he won the league in Astana as well and he did quite well at Gabala in Azerbaijan after he left Trona Moritz back in 2014 he's agreed to return and I think he was quite sceptical on coming back any point in the past sort of few seasons due to the fact that he didn't want to be involved in sort of all this problems with the finances that we spoke about last week and hence the new ownership has apparently, I think that is very much going to be happening. It's not been officially announced or anything like no. that, but it's um, it certainly has happened to some sort of extent to the fact that they can already get this new role in. And that's obviously going to be a complete game changer because as we've already had this first half of the season, I predicted Toronto Moritz to be bottom, uh, well, to finish the season bottom in their current standing. And done too badly. They haven't done as bad as I thought they would. I mean, they got a, they got a nice result in the final match day, uh, just about. And they've got a few decent points here and there. But in general, it was a farce of a club, similar to Mariupol in the sense that it was the majority uh, Dynamo Kiev Alonis. And on top of that, they had a load of um, Dynamo Kiev backroom staff. Well, former backroom staff, but it was all sort of connected. However, I think the star men, well, especially the main star man for them, uh, Avagimian, he's being linked with moving to Kolos or something, or Alexandria, I think, in this winter transfer window. So that's already going to be a big loss if that happens. And he's like one of the actual only Tron Moritz owned players. So we'll see where that goes. But as I mentioned, the suspected news is that Toronto Moritz will actually cancel the loans. I don't know whether that's going to be this winter, whether it's too soon or whatever, but apparently they're going to cancel the Dynamo Kiev loans and go a separate path. Whether they've got enough funding or whatever to bring in almost a whole new squad, 15 players or anything, is another question. I don't know whether 
Vova can add something to that uh, if he knows anything about the Toronto Moritz situation with the Dynamo Cave loanies. Um, Dynamo Cave uh, had a loan agreement about his players with Toronto Moritz for the one year, and I don't think if we if the uh, the president of Toronto Moritz, if the board will change, I don't think they will uh, immediately buy ten or sign ten or twenty players and change this loan agreement. I think this is agreement for the end of the season and uh, the hands were shaken and uh, nothing will change. But uh, if if uh, Rikorchuk will be the coach of Chernomorets, I oh, I'm also think it uh, could be from the next season. And now uh, he will be just watching what's happening till the end of the season. The situation for me is like this. Yeah, that makes more sense logically. If that happens... You'll probably know, but in a future episode, guys, because that's where we're recording. <laughs> Very well put. Certainly going to have huge implications as well for uh, the remainder of the season, depending on what sort of position and role he has. And also, when these owners sign off on the deal with them, it's it's, it's all very much up in the air. It's sad, sad state of affairs, or as you put it, the curious case of Chorna uh, Moritz. It's very bizarre what's going on, but hopefully there's some light at the end of the tunnel for them. And uh, even if they wind up in the playoffs, or as you know, we've mentioned, nobody will relegate through sporting positions this year, but maybe some other reason they drop down, they may be able to bounce back a lot quicker than they did the previous time. Uh, a team that I didn't expect to be down there when when I was back in the summer was uh, Lviv. But they started off the season abysmally and changed their manager. Uh Martin, wasn't it, who was in charge and disappeared off Mikhailivka, Victoria Mikhailivka, didn't he? He went over there. Instead, went back to his sort of rightful place in the Druga Liga. And uh, Lviv went back to playing football as, as they know best, which is very defensively sort of set up. You know, I was going to say to you, in, our, in our other episode about the game we were at with Shakhtar, I thought Lviv were hard done by and looked really good in the first half. You know, they, they actually played pretty well in that game. And then... You know, two two penalties. One of them was turned into a red card. First of all, it wasn't a penalty. Then it was a penalty. Then it was a penalty and the sending off as well. And you're like, okay, yeah, we see what's happening here. Before we know it, it's gone to 6-1. But I've digressed a little. They're picking up points. And I feel like they're just going to be good enough again. You know, with my soft spot for Veres, I'm very happy they're below Veres in the table, which is their rightful place as well. And I think by the end of the season, they'll still be below Veres, uh, which will make me smile again. But uh, I don't see Lviv in the playoffs. I really don't. I see them just above that relegation zone and fair play to them. There will still be... Lviv Derby in the UPL next season. Ray, is Rook going to keep my promise? It certainly will, Adam. My question is, I thought the Derby requires two sets of fans. <laughs> and one of the teams obviously doesn't have one. <laughs> so that was never occurred to me. I mean, since the very beginning of Lviv, 
when they play played in Dobromel in mud and and dirt uh, against Metalists, and uh, Metalists uh, lost their silver uh, ambitions back the, uh, back in 2009. Even back in that day, no one ever supported Lviv as much as we know. And now when this uh, team uh, in tragic and comical at the same time uh, circumstances joins uh, UPL instead of Veris, uh, which is now in, in uh, UPL again, we um, couldn't tell what's going on. And that's why I support Rook in this case, because although it's a one-man team, still, just like Inholetz, they have Papa and um, Rook has Kozlovsky, but there is a uh, great image to be built, you know, a connection with the draw where they sold Kukarevich uh, the Manchester City ties at some point. Um, also, the academy being built near Lviv, the hotel chain. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it feels very Abramovich-esque. And uh, for a city like Lviv, it's certainly a great uh, part of uh, tourist attraction, I would say. Uh, set aside the uh, Belarusian um, fetish on co with coaches, uh, but uh, <laughs> still they play football and we remember Kuchuk emotions when we arrived in Arena Lviv in uh, summer. <laughs> and it's a lovely, lovely thing to see and that's why I definitely see what's going on there. And it has uh, a short but future. I mean, would you, would you say to people listening to this, to go to Arena Lviv just to see the car that he drives after the game because of where that is an impressive little motor. It really was. It matched the team colors as well. <laughs> it certainly did. It certainly did. You've got to see it to believe it. I mean, with Rook, we, we've got to, got to give a shout out there to the marketing guys. They, they come up with some really creative ways of dragging people from Central Lviv out to that stadium on match days. Uh, I think they went one stage when you were able to hire a, a limo to pick you up from Central Lviv to take you to a game, and there was drinks available. And Andrew, didn't you report there was like someone you could have your picture put in an old fashioned newspaper for one game as well? There is, uh, you know, great work behind the scenes. We do give people a little. We do slam people a lot for not promoting Ukrainian football, but in Lviv there, as Ray, you said, they're building something. We're not quite sure what it is, but they're definitely building something. I think back a few years back, there was nobody there, and now there's, there's a few people. <laughs> not a lot more. <laughs> um, you mentioned earlier, Ray, in the show, that you thought Metalist in 10th place could be the team to catch uh, for our relegation uh, sort of messed up clubs. And uh, why is that? Well, the Metalist is definitely promoting from Fascia Liga and Metalist 1925. Uh, it's been uh, rumored as a Shakhtar um, farm club, just like Mariupol, but it seems to be not the case. Um, it's... Uh, Basically, the same toxic situation, uh, much more toxic than Viv one. When Viv, FC Viv, and Ruh are not, uh, they were never one club. Uh, but in here, it's the same name, it's the same stadium, it's the same fans, and uh, that is not dramatic. It's just uh, uh, surrealistic. 
that's why one should go. And uh, apart from Metalist 1925 having a great history with, uh, um, you know, this, uh, that's, that was the biggest example of uh, uh, club revival back in 2015-16. Uh, even Kirvbas and Metal Japarija uh, were revived back then, but we know how it uh, all turned out in the end. And same goes here. It's a, uh, it's a rebound of uh, the oligarchs and Metalist 95 is standing in their way. And we don't really know for sure who stands behind the team. I mean, there used to be a fans team, one of the first uh, after the revolution. And now, well, I would love to see them surviving, but um, no signs given. And yeah. uh, they might turn into academy, like be called uh, avant-garde after Metalist joins the Premier League. But uh, uh, overall, we've seen it before. Uh, we had FC Kharkiv, we've had Arsenal Kharkiv, and uh, they were all... We ha even had Gelios in Kharkiv, which was a big football city back in the day. And now, uh, if they all uh, go backstage and let uh, Yaroslavsky gang uh, join the Champions League playoffs uh, next season, after next season, I mean, well, so be it. Yeah, well, I've been speaking to a few people that I know that have been to Metalist 925 games this season. Friend of the pod, Phil told us that it was one of the worst games he's ever seen uh, when they lost 1-0 to Colos. There was just not much going on there at all. Then some, the manager was beefing the journalists after the, after the game in the press conference. And just the majority of the soul of the club apparently has completely faded away from what it was when Ray's just been describing it, when it was sort of the crowd-started funded thing at the beginning a few years ago. But I feel the main thing that has to be understood from this is that Methodist 1925 didn't just come out of magic or just the fact that fans, you know, wanted to start a team for no particular reason other than the love of football. It was more to do with the fact that Methodist Harkiv no longer existed. That, you know, it was like a filler team in the sense they didn't, maybe didn't know that it was ever going to come back but now the fact that there is the old alternative per se there, a lot of the ultras, for example, and the bigger fans will just return to what they want, better um, prospects, perspective and all that kind of thing. Yes, in the grand scheme of things, people might call that glory hunting or something else, but Ukrainian football and culture, I think, is not so developed in that sense at the moment. And I mean, you can just see, yeah, Yaroslavsky's putting loads of money, but still 40k people or whatever come to the games. And that's about three, ten times better than most other matches in the UPL on a match day. So um, it can only be welcomed for the time being. But um, sad to see if Metalis does, Metalis 925 does become um, like a new Shakhtar. Um, farm club or something like that due to the fact that Mariupol may fade away or even if they don't some sort of reshuffling in that respect um, Vladimir, can I ask you do, you do you have any insight with with Metalist 1925? Uh, as just uh, Andrew mentioned I heard the same like uh, even uh, at the start of this season that in in some progress in the future, this could be the big satellite of the Shakhtar and uh, the new results of Mariupol. Uh, they say like uh, that Mariupol can finish like 
to be the club to be the Finnish I, I, Mariupol, the club Mariupol couldn't exist uh, if they haven't uh, the Shakhtar Academy players. And now in this season, uh, this is like the key season. I think uh, from the new season, it, it really might be the lot of uh, loans, lot of loaned players they will play in Metal is 1925. The players from Shakhtar. They have the coach, they have coach uh, Krivinsov, who was the coach of the youth team from the final of uh, youth league, UEFA Youth League, uh, the Krivinsov, and as I heard, he's a good in tactics and even have a lot, lot, lot of tactical lessons. The player of Middle East now hard, hard to understood. And this is like the bad results of Middle East. This is a player just tired from this tactics. I heard he's like a good uh, good coach tac- tac- tactical coach and uh, i think in the future it might be the coach of even the main team of the shakhtar not wow. in the close not in the close future but maybe late wow, so wow, wow. They, they he's a very good in tactics and even the young players they don't understand but not uh, the question is not the young players the question of the main question is the older players there are a lot of players they came from the persia liga to middle east 1925 and they didn't and they never, never heard, and never like eat so many lessons, tactician lessons. This is <laughs> this is their hurt. It's fair. It's a fair point, isn't it? Really, you can sort of blow people's brains with all the science side of it <laughs> during matches. And we were doing something like that in our pod last season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guilty, guilty, guilty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, moving on to a team there, probably tactics isn't the best way to describe them. Uh, tactically minded isn't the best way to describe them. Vera's Rivna. But, I mean, Ray, Vera's surely the benchmark for any team, any team without a bucket load, to put it politely, of money behind them. For any team coming out of the Persia, are they the model to follow? As we discussed before, uh, behind the scenes, so to speak, uh, it kind of occurred to me when one of us mentioned that uh, Veris uh, is not as it used to be in the beginning. Uh, let it be the 90s or the um, club which was um, um, revived. I don't know. Well, someone uh, had put a soul inside it for, to, for that soul to be sucked out by FC Liv afterwards. So that's something which uh, was not the best uh, page in various uh, biography, but now they're building the stadium. They have the image set up by uh, a good friend of Pod, Muta Povrznyuk, uh, AKA Trendet, and uh, it looks good for them. Uh, I thought about uh, them uh, losing their um, basic uh, nature of uh, people's club, these, all this stock exchange and uh, uh, name change in the, into the um, uh, Latin uh, letters. From, uh, from uh, Cyrillix, uh, overall, uh, they are a fun team to follow uh, outside the football pitch. Uh, everything that happens uh, in the matrix of um, Varus is exciting. Uh, when you look into the reality, well, uh, the Zion, which is the Ironhead Stadium, is uh, coming back to life, but it took a while and we don't know how it's going to end. Yeah, there is very much reminding me of Colos when they got promoted. Almost the 
well, you could even say they maybe modelled it off them. Just sort of that textbook Route One football win it, win from set pieces and that kind of thing. And minus the penalties. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, they're not as good as at converting those, unfortunately. Yeah, very much so. And coincidentally, Colos are just above them. <laughs> Certainly are. I mean, if you were invited to go to Merez versus Colos, it would be a polite no. <laughs> Definitely. That would not be the most exciting way to spend 90 minutes of your life <laughs> watching those two play. But yeah, defensively sound. And I tell you what, I didn't expect me to be transferring in a bucket load of Verez defenders in my fantasy football team this season, but I certainly have been doing. Well, they moving on to Colos. I had them as a conference league place at the start of the season. And so did you, Ray. So did you. We visited their game in conference league, so it's fair point. Yeah, it was, it was, it was. We had so, so many hopes for them. It seems bizarre now to think of how those signings of Sichanava and the like were exciting us. Because, God, it was awful, wasn't it? <laughs> that match we went to in the Conference League, that was a that was not exciting in any way. Uh, change of manager with Colos. That seems to have been a big thing for them. Um, but I think more importantly, I don't know what you guys think, the injury to Volonyet seems seemed to have hurt them really badly. And they really lost their way without him in the team. And I, I think I mentioned to you, Andrew, uh, recently, sort of the return of him has brought back the old Coloss, even less exciting than usual sort of style, where they're, they're conceding very little, scoring very little. But, uh, you know, what, a couple of months ago, they looked in danger of fallen into the relegation mayhem but have sort of stabilised now back in mid-table pulling out a load of one nils here there and everywhere drew the last game 1-1 against Rook but they're not going to be exciting they're definitely not going to be in the conference league next season they're so far behind the top five that's not going to happen um, I think they're just becoming a stable UPL club what I would love to see though from them is to to start to make those next steps. There's money there. There's a beautiful stadium there. You know, beautiful little complex down there. Let's see you actually try and do something now. To, you've been in the UPL three years. You've had your European experience. Actually start to try and build a team that the UPL can be proud of. You know? don't know. You guys agree with me or bit more stability for them first of all well uh, stability in what uh let's start with uh, what i've been discussing the whole podcast today their public image i mean we mentioned that before this uh, head coach uh, stink is still present and even though now the main characters in the story uh are different like we switched constitution to sell is no but uh it's still not good and uh, yet again, Selesno played his last season in goalless, coincidentally. Um, if you talk about their game, well, you need something to make you watch their game, right? And there, you, at that point, you need to look into step one, which is public image. So, uh, 
well, they might survive because they have the financial backing, but that's the only reason. And unfortunately, that's the only reason uh, which helps survive most of the teams in Premier League, which makes it not the best example of Premier Leagues we've known. Well put. Well put. Well put. Shall we move on? Desna. Oh, not a lot to say about this. Vladimir, how on earth have Desna managed to fund the team that they have? I thought they had no money. And I didn't expect them to be sat mid-table with what actually looks like a half-decent team. Are, are all their players going to walk out soon because they haven't been getting paid? The story was, you know, I think uh, it started uh, at the finish of the last season when they lost in the last match in Mariupol. 1-4 and this is the big impact, uh, first of all, for their owner and uh, their owner... He was very disappointed that that's not this season, this summer, wouldn't mm-hmm. play the Europa Cup. And this is uh, that kind of rumors that uh, this not can uh, fade away. And uh, like this, uh, this kind of rumors that uh, they went, they didn't went from nowhere, you know. But, uh, you know, his, uh, uh, I think, uh, months or maybe just maybe less after this he's he, he became more calm and uh you know this the salaries is not so big now in desna and a couple of players they have uh, the money they have in the last season but you know the, all the defensive line they gone all the defensive line they they go for, to another club to the big uh, biggest salaries you know the players they came from this not to the even to the Persia league at the main players of the defensive lineup and if you don't have defense like in the last season what you have to be what you have to do in the premier league with no defense with completely new defenders completely new line and even the players uh, which previously played in attacking line they now played defenders so they still have a good attacking players and uh, one is the best creators in the league still if uh, we have out of the brackets Dinamo and Shakhtar yes uh, we have the really great players in the first line but uh, you know how many personal mistakes the players of Desna do uh, in the defense so the place I I, I spoke with the chairmen and the, the club representatives uh, at the start of the season and uh, it, they say it like off record the prediction of this place, uh, their place in this season. It they predicted to be seven or eight, like it does. Like it does. That's right on track. It really is. I mean, I had I had them in the bottom four, so it shows where I am. <laughs> where I am. The, the, the place in the bottom four. Uh, the places in the bottom four reserved. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I apologise, Jenny. Give. Uh, Alexandria, Ray, they were another one. Somebody had them down in the bottom four. It was you. <laughs> it's because their uh, new coach uh, at that time, uh, Yuri Gura. Um, yeah, he really didn't seem like the type of uh, Premier League manager, but the level of Premier League uh, <laughs> allowed him to prosper. <laughs> Uh, jokes aside, a very decent image saved uh, from last uh, season or under Sharon, a build-up image. I mean, uh, a people's team, a uh, team from the very community of uh, Kirohad Oblast and uh, a long-time uh, contender for the uh, title of the um, 
number one central team in Ukraine, and it successfully proves so. Uh, although we still have Ellen Zecherkasi, but they are a bit too young as, uh, so far. Um, a great uh, thing to watch Alexandria playing. Uh, they have <laughs> they have good kids. They have a decent style of play, and so it's always nice to support them against the teams which uh, played the same football before, like Zoria Desna, Kolos and uh, compare how this style is still uh, having something to say. And, I mean, so far this season, they've given good battles to all those top sides that they faced. I mean, they beat Shakhtar earlier on, just lost to them uh, in the final match day, 2-1, lost 1-0 to Dynamo Kiev. So, I mean, they're giving good value for, for what they've got. And as we've already mentioned, they're linked with a few players in the winter. So they could be strengthening there. Probably just a bit too much of a call to be challenging maybe Zoria and uh, Dnipro 1 for the European spots. But, and even Vorsla maybe. But I think they're certainly a lot more stable than we expected them to be. Agreed completely. Um, when you look at the table, you was it's about six points, the difference, isn't it, between Alexandria in sixth and Vorskler in fifth. I have to say, I didn't have Vorskler finishing in the European places at the start of the season, but that surprised me. Surprised you, Ray, or did you expect it? This team is unstable, you know. Uh, they've been uh, managed by my favourite coach in the Premier League, uh, who's Yuri Maximov, but it's his signature style of uh, coaching. It's trademark. Uh, where you play football, uh, as he said, uh, and uh, he beat uh, Dynamo, and then he loses 5-1 to whatever team it is. I mean, uh, it's uh, it's sort of an adventure for him, you know? It's like the spark, and it's and it, this is the spark it's all about. I mean, even his career in Germany, when he scored the cup final goal to Bayern and they won the cup with Werder. I mean, that's what it's all about. It's this moment, and he lives it, and he shares it uh, with the others. And until it lasts, it's, it has something to build upon. But in long term, mm, he's more of a, you know, a firefighter manager. Like, he comes, he saves, he shows results, and then he, he leaves to the next product. And that's how it uh, goes uh, over and over again. That's how it is. I mean, I'm getting deja vu from last season when I think they were playing quite well. And then they had quite an awful run towards the end of the winter break. And that obviously just made them slip up for the second half of the season. Same going on here. Like Ray said, they lost 5-1 to Dnipro 1. Drew with Ruch and Lviv. Yes, the, and then Riznik's got injured, I think, in the last match day or the second last one. Don't know how serious that is. Stepanyuk, obviously, one of their key forwards, has broken his leg, apparently. So, not sure how long he's going to be out for. Um, Perduta, um, their star fullback, also having some sort of injury concerns. So, might be a bit of a, a difficult winter pre-season if uh, a lot of those key men are out. But it looks like some of those youngsters that they're bringing in um, are being fed through, starting to perform now, like um, Amil Karkajovi got his first goal for the club. <laughs> nice to see him after you know moving from Morecambe last year. 
I think in general, it's going to be difficult for them to maybe make that charge for those third and fourth spots just because the depth um, in their squad and, as Ray said, complete inconsistency from Maximov, completely unpredictable and the issues that they've got with their squad and even like the likes of signing Essiola, who we, I had massive hopes for at the start of the season. I was really looking forward to seeing him like think he could easily get the 10 plus goals in a season in the UPL but evidently doesn't play um some dodgy reasonings have been rumored around there as to why not but you know it's a weird one to say the least definitely I mean 12 months ago they went out and had a sort of killer winter transfer season any any signs of that happening again this time around I've not really heard anything on that respect just yet but with those injuries that we've mentioned they might need to and one last one from me before we move on in Mr Phil I have to call him Mr Phil I know he's Till correctly but star player of this first half of the season for you Ray Andrew Vova yeah Olivia Till was definitely up there. Probably the top two. Him and Dovbik, who, of course, we're going to be moving on to next. Yeah, I think the Till family will, will, will be having a good Christmas gathering anyway after Sebastian's goal in the Bernabeu as, as well. Ray? Yeah, I wanted to say that Warsaw has a bunch of uh, charismatic personalities, such as uh, they mentioned uh, above Kojovi and the... Alassane, what's his name? The, the guy who was rumored with West Ham, anyway, he left. Uh, and also the old uh, old uh, dogs like Sklar and uh, Riznik, and uh, even this uh, young keeper who uh, amazed everyone with his penalty uh, dodging style, Usenko or whatever. It, it's, yeah, it's, it's really. Um, it's really some gang there, some bunch. Now, let's get on to the the big boys, shall we say, uh, sitting in fourth place, even though I had them as third uh, <laughs> the winter break. But with news breaking today that their manager may not be returning, Zoria uh, Lugansk, and of course, Mr. Zoria Londonsk, over to you. Well, Dnipro won... I thought they'd do quite well this season. It looks like they are big contenders for that bronze medal spot. Probably a bit too, just a bit undercooked to be contending with Dynamo and Shakhtar because I think it will come down to the matches that they play against them. But they're like one of the most informed teams in Europe going into this winter break. I think like they're the ninth compared to you know some other top sides that include Premier League clubs, Bundesliga, of course, and then even some French sides. So good stuff going there from Jovicevic. He's got all his sort of key men that he, well, he brought in Pichelionok on a permanent deal in the summer and he's been superb over, over, this, over this past half season. They are getting all the wins that they need against the sort of weak opposition. So you can't really fault them for that. And then their sort of main challenger, Wolfsburg, they beat them 5-1. Whether that's to say maybe their challengers are slightly weak in, in comparison is a different story. But, you know, they're getting the job done against all these weaker sides, which I think maybe in previous seasons they probably would have slipped up against. 
And yeah, they're bringing in sort of like these random transfers, you know, some Portuguese players, a couple Croatians as well. And there's even rumours that Alexi Hutsuljak, who joined in the summer from Desna, is going to be called up to the Ukraine squad uh, for the March qualifiers. So that's already sort of like quite a big boost. In general, yeah, they're doing really well. And I think that if they continue in that, in that sort of path, then it's all going to go quite well for them. However, there are possible rumours that Dovmik may actually leave in the winter. You know, if, if the offer comes in for him, apparently it's only rumoured to be five million for an abroad club. And we'll see. And, you know, the likes of Syria have been linked for him. Uh, Napoli, Fiorentina, um, Bologna, you know, all the classics, um, as well as a few Belgian sides. You know, why wouldn't he go in reality? I mean, he has been playing very well, but, you know, maybe staying a bit longer, even till the end of the season, like Konoplanka did back in the day when he probably should have left for Liverpool at that half season before even, you know, the Europa League heroics, etc. You know, it's just finding that right time and it might be the best for both club and the player himself. And what about Zoria? Well, that's another story <laughs> that we've just been uh, busy with today. And um, Vov has also been talking about that over the past sort of few days too, that Viktor Skriptik has been linked with a number of Hungarian clubs, unnamed, but one of them is most likely to be Ferenc Varos at the moment, due to the fact that they've got rid of their manager just today ahead of their winter break starting soon so there is every potential that Victor Skripnik might not even be at Zoria come the start the restart of the UPL because he's going to be um, a successor of Sergei Brov. Vladimir yeah uh, the Skripnik uh, told yesterday in our show and our YouTube Pro Football Digital Skripnik told that uh, the 10th of January, he will back to the team and they starting to prepare for the second part of the championship, uh, 10th of January in Zaporizhia. And he promised that he will back to the team, but uh, the contract will end last uh, next summer. And this is, uh, this means they, he can start the discussions about the new contract with some new team. And yes, the Ferenc Varos, uh, as Andrew told, uh, this is one of the team uh, who are interested. Uh, second one, uh, as I know, as I heard, this is like Molvidi, the second team from the top of the Hungary and a couple of uh, clubs from the second Bundesliga also monitoring this situation. So, you know, the, the Skripnik is a good piece of team teams from the second Bundesliga it's not so expensive uh, as uh, coaches from uh, Bundesliga you know this is like uh, this is a good coach from every from every point for the clubs in the second Bundesliga and for him also he's he's 50% he's German <laughs> I think uh, more or less from some time he will back uh, and and he will uh, be the coach from some german team and i wish him uh, to be the coach of some team of bundesliga of course i mean andrew yeah and just obviously to add 
Skripnik is not the only one, well, rumoured to be leaving Zoria. Even if he doesn't leave uh, in this winter transfer window, he may leave, well, he's more or less almost certain not going to be renewing his contract there. Um, the other two players are Kocherhin, obviously he's been frozen out, and I think they've felt the impact of him, even though they've been playing quite well recently. Just they need a bit more added creativity in there because the likes of Hromov, um, Kabayev, they just aren't really the level of a side that should be playing Great. In, in, in the type of team that Zoria wants to be. And obviously, Alakhiar Sarmanesh has 99% had his last game for Zoria. He'll be returning to, to Fenerbahce uh, over the winter and probably getting a move somewhere else. I think he's been rumoured mainly with Belgium in that respect. As for um, the ultras at Zoria, they apparently tried to crowdfund some money for the <laughs> 3.5 million fee for him. I think I they started... That on match day against Dinamo Kiev. So don't think they've got enough um, <laughs> funded just yet. And I don't if, think it's going to be very successful. How, if you see how many fans of the ride go into the Parisa for the games, I don't think... Uh... <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think that's going to be that successful uh, in, in the long run. Mm. Uh, for all credit to them for trying, though. I mean, do you, do you worry that they're going to you know sort of well maybe not worry but do you think they're going to fall away uh in in spring well they definitely need to bring in a new center forward that's mm-hmm. for sure of some kind that will they've got a track record of finding these random players like as we've mentioned Emmanuel Dennis I mentioned it on Twitter a lot yeah. he's absolutely ripping up the Premier League um and then they had Rafael Suarez at some point some other uh, Brazilians but they have um, Awusu, um, their Ghanaian forward, who has not had a proper chance, really, like a starting run in the side for long. But when he was giving some random cameos early on in the season, he was scoring a lot. So he might be that logical replacement. Um, and I'm actually quite looking forward to seeing what um, Raymond um, has to offer. He might be, he might be the, the solution there. And I mean... If they end up selling Kocherhin, because I think he doesn't, he's got what six months left as well, and maybe get some compensation from Skripnik, they might have an okay window just to get, you know, recuperate a few players and trying to ensure that they can continue getting that European spots so that they can continue surviving as a club. But um, it may be the sort of final couple seasons where they are flying so high. before maybe that starts to decline a bit more, sadly. Into into mid-table respectability, no doubt. Now, I had to listen back to the summer pod in preparing for tonight, and you came out with a killer line, Andrew, in that one. You were talking about predictions for first and second, and you said that after listening to um, Mr July, uh, over the summer, and he said, Luchescu is not motivated this season. Last season, he was motivated by revenge against Shakhtar. Now he's done that. He hasn't got that desire anymore. Do you feel that has vindicated now, having looked at the season? Um, I can see that he's still... He's, maybe he's not, he's not... Yeah, I don't think he's as motivated as he was last season. 
he's obviously still got complaints to make about referees' decisions and other complaints to go around with the team's time wasting and the other usual kind of stuff that he comes out with. But as we've seen, there's just it doesn't look like there's any progression in his Dynamo side compared to maybe even what Shakhtar have been showing in terms of long-term. Um, like Dynamo haven't improved or even played to the level that they played in the UPL this first six months than they did, than they did last year. Because obviously I think even the, the side themselves are sort of, they've got slight less drive in them after winning that title that was like a must win. Um, after you know five years without, um, they're only two points behind uh, Shakhtar, who are top at the winter break. So it's going to be all to play for, as I've mentioned, and I think that potentially it still can switch many a times before um, the season comes to an end. That's for sure. But speaking about Dynamo, just seeing them even against Zoria. There just seems to be a lack of cohesion, coherence. I don't know what's wrong with uh, Viktor Sahankov. He missed a number of sitters against Zoria. He missed a number. He missed a terrible sitter against Benfica. Uh, he just seems completely out of character. I just think maybe he just doesn't have the mental strength um, to sort of go over the pressure that a lot of people have pinned on him over the past few years, and he's just faded away due to sort of the injuries that have had an impact on him. And, you know, some people always said that he might be able to come up to, like, uh, Andrea Romanka standards. I personally don't see that, him ever reaching that sort of level. Um, maybe if he leaves sooner or later, but I'm not sure in the current form that he's playing in over the past year, who'd really want him and pay big bucks for him, as a Sodkis would expect. Well, nobody's stepping up when they need it. So this is the question of uh, individual skills, the question of uh, not so clear decisions, I mean, for the defenders of uh, opponents. So yesterday games, we, we could see the good decisions of Shaparenko with the no-look passes and uh, the passes uh, by the back heel and like this, but no one else did. This way you think it's sort of transferred over to the Champions League performances as well? Or do we just, just feel now, as Ray's mentioned a few times, given the quality of the league, just Dinamo and Shakhtar have fallen so far behind their European contemporaries that these sort of performances that we saw in Europe by Dinamo and Shakhtar are going to be expected in the future? I think Dinamo should... Uh do some couple of uh, transfers and especially strike so there was a was an interest was a clear interest for dobik but i don't think dobik should be should uh, change the team in this uh, middle of the season i think he will play for the different till the end of the season and the question of dynamo they have to they have to find the striker they have no striker and also straight like uh, Shkurin or Ramirez. They need a proper striker, which, which I mean, Ramirez has got to be up there for one of the most disappointing transfers of the summer. Uh, <laughs> Running like horse, but uh, what, you you have to, to make decision which would be unreadable yeah, for the defenders. And Ramirez don't do them. Definitely so. 
Shakhtar, more disappointing performances in in Europe in particular. Slightly, slightly mitigated with the Triori injury. He looked really good before that injury. It has to be said, he looked cut above anyone else in the league. As you know, as Vladimir, you've just mentioned, Dinamo need to sign a striker. Shakhtar had the one. I don't know how I feel about Mariah staying for another six months. It's a little bit frustrating, but he did score the winner in the game, the game on Saturday, wasn't it? Against Alexandria and kind of proves his worth maybe for six months until when Triori will come back from his injury, which I think is expected to be April, May time. He'll be back before the end of the season if his rehabilitation goes through. He seems key to the Zerbi's style of play. Without him there, Shakhtar do look lost at times on the pitch. We even saw in the Lviv game that, that we went to. It took them a long time to break down a Lviv defence that just parked the bus. And a lot of the teams in the UPL these days park the bus against Shakhtar. They're, they go and they want a draw, if they get a point, if they get a nil-nil, they're happy. And the Zerbi's sort of style of playing out against the press, well, doesn't work, does it, when the team doesn't press you? And you need something else. He is trying it. They deserve credit this season, in my opinion, for giving all the youngsters the game time they have. It's a big improvement on Castro's era. And I hope to see that going forward. Mudrick possibly the breakout star of the first half of the season. The performance in the Bernabeu definitely puts him up there as a contender, given, given what he did. It really, really was great to see. I know Vladimir and I have been talking about Modric for, for many years, and they used to say that when Modric was on the pitch, you need two balls, one for him and one for the rest of the team. I don't think that is true anymore. <laughs> Would you agree with me, Vladimir? If I if I remember correct, it was a quote by the um, Bobby Robson. He told about the Paul Gascoigne. Yeah. A, yeah. In the I I don't think it's nineteen ninety one or something like this. Thirty years ago, and uh, this is like we just uh, repeat this um, quote uh, talking about uh, Mudrik. So now, of course, the situation is changed. Situation is different, and um, uh, also for the Petrokov. So I mean, he he didn't uh, took him for the world championship because he didn't want to play like this. He, Peter Cole didn't tell me what uh, exactly means, you know. But we can mm-hmm. read between this. I mean, between the strings, yeah. Uh, we can we can read that he didn't want to play like this. So now the the guy changed and the, he changed on pitch for the for the first. Uh, so we see how many passes he. He did when he is with the ball. He um, uh, put the head up here yeah, and uh, watching the partner who make like the parallel course, who do, doing the parallel course, uh, and what to do with the ball. So this is the situation. How the situation changed? Yeah, this is where the Zerbi or the Zerbi's coaching team definitely deserve credit because Bondarenko, when he's played, he's impressed as well. Panoplia looks like a very good replacement for Dodo on the right-hand side of the fence as well. 
all of these players have come on. Sudakov continues to impress when he plays. Kornienko's great to see him come back to some sort of full fitness after a difficult season last year with all the injuries he had. Future looks great, and uh, it's great that we're mentioning so many Ukrainian names. We said goodbye to Marlos. Hopefully, we'll say goodbye to Marlon as well if all things go well. <laughs> Maybe take Vital with you as well. That'll be another one that'll be good to see go away. But uh, we can only hope with those guys. Uh, I do slightly ingest, but it's just, it's it is a shame sometimes when you see those guys taking the place of Ukrainians in the team. Yeah, I think, well, that sort of sums it up. I think, Ray, you've probably been most pertinent when you've said how poor the league has been. And as we've gone through this today, it is, it's a sorry state of affairs, but we have enjoyed it nonetheless, or at least I have. (laughs) I hope you guys have too. Well, that's kind of our wrap-up, isn't it, of the autumn autumn season. Uh, Everyone, uh, players are making a mad dash to Boris Ball, I think, as... We speak to catch their planes to Mauritius or Maldives or Seychelles or wherever they're going to be spent in the next few weeks. No doubt we'll find out on Instagram and we'll find out who spends their winters with the wrong people like they spent their summers. Uh, hopefully not. They've Hopefully they have learned their lessons from the decisions made before. It isn't the end for us, though, this year. We will still have uh, another podcast coming out next week. Make sure you're listening to them. Andrew, any news on any vlogs coming out in the in the near future? Yeah, there'll be some content out before the new year. Now I'm back in the UK, um, have a bit more time to do some editing. So look forward to those. Excellent news, excellent news. So before we go, a final Christmas quiz. for uh, This will be our last quiz of 2020. Well, I'm going to hand over to Andrew for this bit. Yes, we're doing another quiz round. Uh, this is a quiz game that I've stolen from TalkSport. Um, Max Rushton came up with it. They does it with Barry Glenn Denning and a few guests of his every weekend. Uh, but it's got a Ukrainian twist. This is Guess the Attendance. So Vova and Ray will be taking part in this one. And the aim of the game is to get closest to the official attendance of said UPL match. So as Vova is the guest, we'll let him go first on question one. The first game that I've just randomly picked from the first half of the UPL season is Trodna Moritz versus Dynamo Kiev, which was on the, the 19th of November 2021. Uh, Dynamo won 6-1. It was at the Lobanovsky. How many people do you think uh, attended that game, Vova? I think 666. <laughs> Ray, higher or lower? 666. Uh, I just say higher or lower, yeah? No, just say a number. Oh, 360. 360? Yeah. But Vova's 1-0 up. It was actually, according to the UPL website, 2,780 people. Whether you choose to believe that or not, but we're just going off official stats here, people. I was watching I was watching at the pitch, not at the <laughs> Right, so question two. Uh, we've gone all the way back to match day four and to a match that me and Adam were actually spectators at. And it was Zoria versus Minai in Zaporizhia on the 14th of August 2021. 
and this is obviously at Slavutic Arena. Um, obviously, as Volvo went first in the first question, Ray goes first in this one. What is your guess for spectators, Ray? Three thousand and a half. Three um, thirty-five hundred. Yeah. Cool. Volvo. Um, Seven hundred. Vova wins. He's taking it 2-0 now. He's, uh, it's 1,157, apparently, uh-huh. according to the official website. <laughs> Ray, you've been found out. We, we, know, your, we know your weak spot. In, uh, I, I, I think that this, uh, they, sparrow, uh, they count the sparrows and, and then <laughs> regions. <laughs> so, I think, Ray, you even mentioned this game earlier on today. Possibly not. How many people visited Vorskla 5, Mariupol 1, in match day 15 uh, on the 21st of November 2021? Um, it was at the Butovsky Stadium in Poltava. Vova, you go first in this one. Uh, so, the camera of the Butovsky Stadium is always watching the empty world of Vorskla. <laughs> No people uh, at the other end, but uh, you never, you can never see how many people sitting on the stands. So it's just, you can, this is not a question of remind. This is a question of just say some word. Yes. And then, <laughs> I don't know, maybe thousand and half, thousand and half. Right. Well, there is always uh, the big stands behind the camera, which we don't see. That hence I would go for two thousand two hundred. Oh, Ray's getting back in it. It was 3,919, apparently. Apparently. Uh, so, I think we'll try and round off question four on a well-known fixture that we've all can remember. Hopefully, maybe a bit of a higher attendance. How many people attended the first Klasichne of the season in the UPL? So it was uh, match day 10, the 3rd of October 2021, at the Olympijski. Dynamo Kiev at home against Shakhtar. I'm pretty sure it's Ray's turn to go off first. Hit us. So the maximum capacity of Olympijski is 70,000. That's why I go for 17,000 with that game. Ooh. Bova? Uh, 32. 32,000. Yes, it is. Vova gets, Vova gets the game here with that 3-1 because it's unassailable for Ray to catch him. But it's uh, 28,073. And just for fun, one final round. And it will be from match day 18 that we've just witnessed. I think we'll go for, for an interesting one, one that we haven't been to yet. <laughs> we have gone to Avanhard in Lutsk for Veres 1. Ruh. One that uh, Lviv-Volenia derby unofficially because it isn't. Um, it's obviously Rivne. How many people went to that game? Uh, Vava, you can go first on this one. Where is uh, again? Uh, Where is again? Through I tried to find in my image in my head. <laughs> Where is through? This is like uh, from the Saturday, yeah. This is the game yeah. with some uh, huge fog, yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> I couldn't count the football players. Two and a half thousand. Okay, Ray. Uh, one and a half. Four hundred and sixteen. Ray, it's uh, you get the you get the solitary point, but Vova is the new is the new champion. Three two. He's come in and he and he's got a nice victory. 
That's uh, awesome. You're very good at guessing. <laughs> but who's who's the old champion? Right. Right. <laughs> I pass over the crown. Uh, <laughs> you can send me a crown by Noah Post. Superb, superb, superb. Hey guys, that was great fun. I would, I'd like to know who actually counted all those people and if a few snuck out at Veres or or why was but well, 416 ouch that hurt that's it though for today Vova thanks so much for joining us you've got to come back now next week to defend the crown or at least in the new year <laughs> <laughs> I, I would be ready to join ah, brilliant 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 what will you be doing over the holidays lots of work lined up uh, so the work uh, uh, work is still, but we, just by the season is finished. But we have to make some like uh, some continue by the uh, I don't know like to to make the some line some, some analytical reports or something like this about the end of the season. And look forward to seeing them. Look forward to seeing them. Thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, the YouTube channel Pro Football Digital. So please subscribe to. to you can see this at the Facebook also at the Twitter. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Andrew, great fun as always. Hope you've enjoyed it as much as me. Yeah, definitely. Very much in-depth look into the UPL so far. And hopefully we'll have a second half of the season to enjoy just as much as we have this first half. <laughs> Certainly. Yeah. For new listeners, your socials? Yep. Zoya Londonsk on Instagram and Twitter. And subscribe to our YouTube channel to Ukraine Plus Football. Uh, thanks for that. And Ray, great fun as always. Been great insight from you. Hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. As usual, Adam, great fun. And uh, we'll be looking forward to the next part of the season, which takes a while to start. It certainly does. Two long months, but we will be back. We will be back. We've got plenty more content for you. Until then, I hope everyone at home, you take care. Stay safe. I'm, of course, Adam at Ucrafort24. You can follow me on all the socials. But till then, take care, stay safe, and goodbye for now. Head in the east,